The By the Hood podcast is sponsored by the Discover Your Options Bootcamp. Getting started with trading options may seem intimidating, but with Discover Your Options, you'll be up to speed faster than you could have ever imagined. No matter what your ultimate goal is, learn the basic skills and gain all the confidence needed to ultimately win in the exciting world of options. For more information, click the link under Discover Your Options in our show notes. And for 20% off, make sure to use the code BUYTHEHOOD, one word, for the 20% discount. What's up, people? Welcome to this episode of the Buy the Hood podcast or webcast because I don't know how you're consuming this content. I'm your host as always. My name is Jimmy. And as we start off every episode, we just want to say thank you to everybody that supports us through our courses, our merch, sharing this podcast. Um, we start every episode by saying um, thank you because we are very appreciative of the community that we've been able to build here at By the Hood. As always, I'm joined by my partner, Crown Corey. What's up, good brother? How are you? What's going on, Jim? How's everything for you, man? Everything good? Yeah, everything's good, man. I'm maintaining, man. You know, a crazy world we're living in, but, you know, I'm maintaining. I got no complaints right now, man. As you all know, our platform is designed to talk to brothers and sisters who are doing amazing work in the community and business. Um, And this brother right here, this guy is a mentor. Um, He has built a tremendous, a tremendous uh, organization that I want to talk about, you know, started off as a camp. But this guy right here um, is very successful. He's a teacher. First and foremost, I say he's a teacher because he's a teacher and a mentor, but he also has this organization we have to talk about. He contributes a lot to the community and culture. And I'm looking forward to this um, episode to ask some questions because in looking at his organization, I just learned some stuff myself. But um, and he's also um, a longtime friend of ours, a classmate from years and years ago, Brother John Carroll. John, how are you? Pleasure, pleasure. I'm good, Jim Corey. It's good to be with you, brothers. It's, you know, like you say, long time since Central. We're coming up on, on, a, on a milestone. So yeah, 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 to, to connect man. with you dudes is, is, a, is an absolute pleasure. So thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. And, um, and like I said, um, your organization, the Roots of Knowledge Institute, right? So... Um, I knew you had this going on. I've been following what you got going on um, for a little while now. And I just happened to be going through your site, looking at certain things. And I found myself learning just from like, I learned from your, um, your advertisements, right? Like I, I just learned, like, I didn't know the history of tennis. Like, you know, mm. I know it's like a weird place to start, but like, I just learned that from going through your site. Um, so you're sharing this kind of knowledge uh, with, with, with the um, young brothers and sisters that are coming up and you're sewing into them in a way that's very important. And you've, if you built this organization, so what, what made you create this Roots of Knowledge organization? How, how'd you get to start to want to do this? Yeah, so like you said, first and foremost, I've been a teacher uh, for the last, you know, crazy 20 years or so, um, straight out of school, been teaching. And, you know, I went to uh, independent schools before Central, um, mm-hmm. Central, the big, you know, preeminent public school in Philly. Um, And then when I started teaching, I was back in independent schools. That was like, you know, I had a connection there. And so one of the things you learn quickly is that, you know, they'll have you in, and these days you can't have a school that's not doing some kind of diversity effort, but even in those efforts, you know, it's limited. And so even like in a public school, the bandwidth of what a kid of color will learn about themselves is like minimal, you know, so they'll cover, you know, Mark and Malcolm Rosa Parks for, you know, Black History Month, that's it. Or you might read, um, if you got a real progressive school, you might read, you know, the autobiography of Frederick Douglass or something like that. But there's so much more, you know, to the history of the diaspora than that. So it, I just got to a point um, where it was like, listen, you got a lot of degrees, you know, and you can't, you're only going to get so much out of these schools, fighting with these schools about curriculum. So I might as well just do it on my own. And, you know, you look at other um, ethnic groups, and that's what they do, you know, so I'm out here in California now, you know, there's large, um, you know, Asian populations, and all of them have some kind of schooling that runs concurrent to what's happening during the school day, you know, or you look at the Jewish communities, um, you know, they have Hebrew school that you know, ultimately prepares, you know, students for that, that, you know, right to passage moment, you know, that is the bar and bat mitzvah, so I just felt like, you know, that's something that would be easily, you know, something that we could replicate in our community. Um, and so I just got to work, you know, and um, kind of capitalized on, you know, the people who, you know, I've met through the years, you know, working in my school and others 
to say, listen, let's, let's do this. Um, you know, so that was the curricular piece of it, you know, where I wanted to expose people, uh, students to more, you know, African-American authors, African-American history. And then, you know, I grew up swimming. And so, you know, I knew that, you know, in a sport like that, you know, you don't see but so many uh, black folks in particular. So I wanted to make sure that I was exposing folks to that too, because, you know, the statistics on black people drowning is just ridiculous. Like it's like eight times, you know, worse than, you know, other communities. So I just wanted to try and put those two parts of my life together into something that would be, you know, would be beneficial. Um, and so that's how the Roots Knowledge Empowerment Institute uh, began. There's a classroom component, and then there's always a sports component. So early on, uh, we did tennis as the activity, and we did capoeira, uh, which is the Brazilian martial art. And so that was something new and different for kids to experience. And then last year, we had the opportunity, we did golf. Um, and so that was cool for kids to that's like have a chance to, to go. In terms of exposure, something that you generally won't get exposed to. Um, I just want to backtrack real quick, first of all. I should yeah. have introduced you as Dr. John Carroll. <laughs> you are a doctor, right? And I want to make sure I want to make sure I acknowledge that because a lot of times, um, it's funny. Like in talking to our people that are PhDs or doctors, um, a lot of times they don't mind if you don't say that. And when you talk to people from other cultures, they say, "Oh no, excuse me, doctor." And you have earned that, so I want to address you as Dr. Yeah, John. Yeah, you definitely, you definitely yeah. put that cape on, so you gotta get that acknowledgement. I gotta get. Yeah, I, gotta no, that I appreciate you. I gotta get. I it, gotta give you. you that acknowledgement. That's the one it, thing. Um, what's funny is uh, at school, you know, I have a colleague, and she's the same way. Like, and it's that thing where being in school, you want people to understand what the credentials really are. So she makes a big. Uh, pointed at uh, in school, and so in school, I, I am largely Dr. Carroll. But you know, we we family. It's all good. No, I get that, but I want to make sure that like, at least at least our, uh, our, our audience got to know is, that you, Doctor. This is Doctor John Carroll, yeah, because you, you, you. I appreciate you, you. You put that work in. You put that work in. But another thing that I respect about you is that you're solutions based, right? So you see people who see the same thing that you saw, right? We don't have this in our community, and they just want to, you know, go online and complain. You said how about I create it, right? Do for self. And I think that should be acknowledged as well. You saw uh, something missing and instead of just complaining about it, you went and took action and created something. So that also has to be acknowledged and um, that's admirable as well. And also the exposure that you're giving these children. Um, you know, uh, the last episode of our podcast, Corey and I were uh, talking to a, another professor and he was talking about, we got into the con conversation about exposure. And how um, kids sometimes not having exposure, what it can do for their growth and their worldview. So that's also amazing too. Like, you know, teaching a kid like a golf, like it sounds very simple, but it, it, I'm pretty sure that opened up eyes for a lot of kids. So that's, that's the concept behind, um, you know, your, your institution. So um, let's take a step back though. Right. Okay. So you're, you're in California, but where were you born and raised? And, and, and speaking of your credentials, where did you go to school? So, yes, I'm, I'm Philly born and raised. Uh, my parents, you know, uh, both from Philly. Um, we lived over right over the bridge from Overbrook High. Um, and, uh, you know, my parents were both teachers. So education was, was paramount and, and at the front lines of everything um, in our household. And so they made the decision, uh, put me in independent school early. I went to Germantown Friends um, for K to eight and then, you know, went to Central um, you know, they wanted me to have that public school experience. And it, and it was, it was definitely a shock, you know, just in, just in terms of numbers, much less community. So at Germantown Friends graduating class would have been like 80 something, you know, we graduated central with like 500. So, so that was, that was a great experience. Um, and then I went to, I stayed in town. I went to the um, University of Pennsylvania for undergrad. And then as soon as that was done, started a master's at Drexel and, you know, pursued education, um, you know, figured out that, you know, I was, I was originally supposed to be an MD. I was one of the doctor in the house. My uncle was a, was a doctor. So she, she wanted that for me. Um, but, you know, organic chemistry, you know, weeded the brother out pretty quickly. <laughs> so, so, you know, I, you know, I stopped fighting what was, what was kind of becoming clear to me in my genes that, you know, I was a teacher, like my parents have been teaching, I've been watching them teach forever. So I started a master's mm -hmm. in education uh, finished out of Drexel. By then, right around the time I finished it, you know, had gotten married. My wife, you know, wanted to move um, to pursue entertainment. And so, you know, being a teacher is like no problem. We moved to California. Um, after a couple more years of teaching, went to went back to school, uh, UCLA for my PhD in urban education. 
So okay, nice. And shout out to Drexel too. That's where I got yes. my uh, master's in real estate from. Um, so shout out to Drexel, sleeping giant in U City, man. I, I was last home in April, and, and you know what Drexel has done to their their footprint, you know, in University City is is actually kind of impressive. It is, it is. They're they're definitely growing out there. Um, so you're out in California now, and mm-hmm. um, and your wife contributes to the culture too because she's the showrunner on All American. For those that I know, everybody watches that show. Like I love her show. Um. And, and, you know, I love all her shows because she had a couple shows. Like, she had the show with, um, uh, what's his face? Uh, um, what's the brother's name? Uh, I can't think his name on top of my head. She had Rose um, with Morris Chestnut. So, That's yes. one, Morris Chestnut. Morris Chestnut yeah. show. She had that show, then All-American, um, which is, like, a very popular show. So, uh, you know, it, which is amazing, right? Because this tying it into what you do, that exposure. I just love seeing this many black faces on TV. You know, someone who watches TV, like, just seeing black faces, like, the family contribution to the culture. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell, telling our stories is important too, and and so she's telling our stories, and you're telling our history, telling our old story. Like, so this is amazing. Your whole your whole family is uh really contributing to the culture. So mom and pops is teachers. He's a educator. You know, wife putting the black stories on 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 the tube, and and, and he you know he he bringing it to the to the folks currently. You know what I mean? Like. That's that that that's a whole movement. Y'all got a movement going on over there. Yeah, yeah. So, and and about that, right? So, and I'm going to make sure that we share the the website to your organization, the Roots of Knowledge, because one of the things I like is looking at the testimonies of the kids, like some of the things they learn, and I thought that was impressive. Like kids talking about, oh, I didn't know about the Harlem Renaissance. I learned that by coming through here, and I'm like, well, that's dope. Like, oh, I didn't know about James Brown's music. Um, you know, uh, tennis, like I said, all these different, different aspects in the history of it. Uh, we have a rich history. And sometimes when our history is told, it's like slavery, civil rights, and Obama. And that's, the, that's just our history. And <laughs> we have a rich history. So, um, you know, salute to you for telling that. So when you got out to California, you saw these, you were teaching, you saw these issues, and you decided, like, I'm going to create my own thing here. Um, going through that journey, what do you think is the your biggest obstacle or something that you had to overcome and in terms of getting to where you are? I just um, feel like I had to understand that, you know, I could do it. You know, I could be the leader of it. Like I didn't have to wait, you know, for somebody's um, blessing on it. Like I had everything I needed to do um, to make this happen, you know, and it, and it didn't even take, you know, like Corey said, putting the cape on, like, it could have been done before that. Like, but I do think, you know, you put that cape on, you put them letters behind your name, that gives it that even more instant credibility, right? So, you know, like you say, when, when people hear Dr. Carroll, it's like, oh, okay, this, this brother, you know, he'd been to school a little bit. He, so he knows a little bit about, or ideally knows a little bit about what he's talking about. So once I understood that, like, I was capable of doing it, I could build it. I'd been around long enough you know, it was, it was, you know, it was full steam ahead, but it took me a while to, to believe like I could make something, you know, that, that folks would, uh, would gravitate to and believe in, but the response has been, has been great. And so we've just tried to make sure that we've scaled it up in a way that was manageable um, so that we continue to give a quality, you know, experience to the kids. So yeah, that belief was big. On, 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 right, stop right there. How has the coronavirus affected how you've been able to, uh, you know, get with your uh, roots of knowledge, uh, peeps? Yeah, so much like everything else, man, it's just the idea of, of seeing people face to face. So this would have been our fifth year. So we were planning to, you know, usually we do something local. Um, uh, you know, we would be in the city somewhere like, you know, we try to be where black people are for sure. So we had kind of found a nice, you know, area. Um, in the Lamert Park area, which is like a really uh, historical black enclave. So we were there and doing things. And so we were going to take kids, you know, kind of in doing a way camp thing, just so we would have like more time with them and, and really be able to, you know, build a whole day around programming. But that, you know, with the coronavirus, that goes by the wayside. So, you know, much like other people, we're going to shift and pivot and we're going to do something virtual this year. We're going to do a book club. Um, and so that, that has gotten a good response um, the two books I selected were um, Ta-Nehisi Coates' first book, his memoir, The Beautiful Struggle, and then uh, Angie Thomas's The Hate You Give. So we're going to do that for, you know, eighth through high schoolers. And then, you know, we've had folks like, I need something for that, you know, for that 57, five to seven grade kids. So 
we're in, you know, in the works of putting something together for that as well. So, you know, we're just trying to make sure we do something, man. Cause again, the kids need it. You know, yeah. I, th- I think it's very important. Um, you know, no matter what kind of school you go to, I think to have knowledge of self and, and um, the belief that, you know, you are more than what is often being portrayed of you in school, you know, and we talked about even in the media um, on platforms, it's important to know, you know, so that you can walk in school with your chest out and not be believing what people are telling you yeah. at face value. That's an amazing book too, The Beautiful Struggle. I enjoyed that book. But um, what I like about everything you're doing, it has like an Afrocentric worldview. And my question is, is that something that was instilled in you? said your, teacher, your, your parents were teachers. Mm-hmm. Is, some, is that something that was instilled in you from a young age? No, I grew into that. You know, I, um, they definitely were, were big on kind of African-American history, right? So, you know, it wasn't nothing for us to be involved in any number of things, go, you know, go to museums, do similar things. But the, 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 the tipping point for me was that, you know, my wife is Nigerian. So, you know, as I got to know, her family in particular, and then be around them. And, you know, that, you know, a lot of times, you know, Nigerian histories and African histories are passed down orally. So the more time I spent with them, the more I understood, you know, I would be led to read different things and and explore different things. Um, And it really opened my eyes to the whole diaspora, right? Like I think like in America, oftentimes our kids get stuck again in our history starts with slavery and then you move forward. And so, you know, that really opened my eyes to the history before that and and to start to connect dots and so you know it was eye-opening for me you know I often marvel at like my wife's family I call them you know international moguls because because of the way they've been schooled like they'll go to school in Britain come over here to America for college and then they live wherever they want in the world and not you know think twice about it and I think that's the thing that you know kids in America like as in America could benefit from too the idea that you're global citizens you know it's, it's not just you know, about being in America and that's the greatest experience of all. Like, you know, there's experiences to be had all over the world. And, you know, if you start thinking that way, you have an opportunity to, to you know, enrich yourself, you know, wherever you are. Interesting. So a- along that journey um, um, that you got there, what is something that you read or saw that, you know, kind of inspired you or, or gave you a certain level of knowledge? You don't mind sharing. I'm pretty sure it was a book or something that you read that opened up your eyes. What would, what would you say that would be? Yeah, the, the one I'm, I would, that sticks to me when we did it, we covered it, you know, during the Institute one year was um, Chinua Achebe and I'm going to blank out on the, um, on the title, but you know, things it's fall apart? yeah, it's things, it's, it's, things fall apart is the one where he kind of talks about and chronicles the, um, you know, the Nigerian independence struggle. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. you know, reading that was big because then again, it gave me a better understanding into, you know, like we get into this thing about the social construct of race in America, right? So the idea of black, white, whatever, but, you know, in Nigeria, it was this whole like tribal thing, you know, different ethnic groups. And so you kind of understood the rise of, you know, Igbos and, and, you know, their struggle um, with different tribal groups and, and, you know, kind of how their, their thought processes come to be and how they value education and, and move, you know, and so you fast forward and when you look at, you know, college admissions, you understand why, when it comes to, you know, black student admissions, you often see a high percentage of, of African students, you know, in that mix because, you know, they've come to value education as a way to freedom. Um, so that was, that, was, that was a text where I was like, oh, okay, now I'm understanding, you know, that how this, what this mindset is. It really gave me a better understanding, again, of my, of my family um, and just kind of thought all throughout West Africa as, you know, those folks dealt with colonization. You know, okay. we, deal with, we deal with oppression here, you know, but, you know, they have their own struggles, too. And, and colonization is real, even to this day. But they've been able to, you know, kind of move and make a way past that. That's dope. I'm going to make sure I add that to our reading list. So um, for our listeners or um, someone watching this video, we keep a comprehensive reading list when um, our guests come on and bring up specific books. So we like to keep that list going and keep it growing. Um, just, to, you know, if you look for something to read, uh, things fall apart. Um, also, when that inspired a Roots album title, by the way, too, Core. I know you. I know you from there. Yeah, it did. It inspired a whole. Yeah, that's that's how I knew about the book. <laughs> the, the, the album <laughs> brought me to the book. Okay. See, dope. See, see, it's power in hip hop on a positive Absolutely. side. Absolutely. On a positive side, right? Um. So, like, so I mean, I know that the coronavirus has made you shift gears in terms of now trying to do things in a digital space. But um, assuming we get back to normal, 
what does the future look like for the Roots of Knowledge? How, what are you trying to do with this organization long-term? How are you trying to build this out and scale this? Yeah, and it's funny, you know, this is where is, 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 I guess serendipity is the word that, you know, Corey reached out is because I think about you brothers all the time and, and you know, your shirt, Jimmy, by the hood. Um, that, that's, that's where I'm going. You know, to me, I feel like, again, I built something, you know, already we're at a, you know, we're a nonprofit. So once you get that, like, you go. Um, and I think, you know, there's a space to build it in the same way that other communities have their own schools um, and go from there. I think it's important um, to have an entrepreneurial piece to whatever you're doing, especially if you're a black person. Um, I don't know if y'all have had him on already, but I heard him speak a couple of weeks ago and he like, he like just turned that light bulb on for me, the idea of entrepreneurialism and, and education. That's uh, Sharif Al-Mekki. No, not yet. Not as yet. But he's, he's, I went to his school and I did a, a financial education presentation when he was teaching, when he was the principal at Mastery. Okay. So you see it. So y'all know. So, you know, I, I like what he's talking about there and he has his, you know, thing where he's training black teachers. So, you know, I, I just foresee growing the institution so that, you know, there's different arms to it, right? Where there's a, there's a publishing arm that, that, you know, does literature and, and, you know, creates some of the books, you know, that cover curriculum in the ways that I think need to be done for our students. There's, um, you know, childcare, there's after school programming. So the, that, that sports piece um, remains, there's, you know, there's just space to have a community center, you know, for all of this education, you know, yeah. you know, what teacher you, training, parent education. Community building, right? And, Absolutely. And that, that's what we talk that, about. Right? So, yeah, we on the same vibe. Yeah, so <laughs> instead of sitting around complaining about things, you just go build, right? Because that, that's the solution. We believe in doing for self and go build. Um, and owning it too, right? Like that, so that's the exactly. biggest thing that I, that I take exactly. from you guys. And, and I love what you're doing. Like I, I need to buy the book. I need to, you know, I love what y'all do, training the kids with the financial literacy. I mm -hmm. think that's, you know, amazing and I, and I think about how to you know how to add that in the future because i think that's critical well, we online now so you can get it from us oh boom there you go yeah yeah and the thing is here, here's here's the here's the other thing too right so and, and Corey and i talk about this so we talk about ownership in terms of like you know um understanding personal finance the stock market or what have you also buying the properties in your neighborhood but um what gets lost in a lot of times is it's not good enough just to own the residential property. You have to own the schools. You have to own the businesses. Mm. You have to control the education pieces. Education pieces huge with that because you have to control the overall culture and economy. If you just own all the homes, but you still go to the stores owned by other cultures, then you're you don't not really, own the neighborhood. <laughs> exactly. You're not really right. buying the hood per se. You have to own it all. So it's all about community building and the education piece is a big part of that. Um, and again, this is not really groundbreaking. We've done this before. Like there's this exactly it's been done in, in multiple places where we've created these communities that were vibrant, um, that taught our history. So it's just a matter of bringing it back and now figuring out how to do that in, in these days and times. But which, you, which you've done thus far is very impressive. Man, I'm very proud of you, man. As someone that, you know, graduated school with you. I, I, I love to see, like I said, you and your wife, what you guys are doing are amazing, man. Yo, he was in my advisory for four years. Ask him how many times he seen me in advisory. <laughs> that, that's a that's a whole other story, man. We 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 could we could we could spend a whole episode talking about uh, uh Corey and his um his uh, his his rebellion uh public education, but, but nah, but but the seeds were planted though, right? So in addition to being an advisory, you know, I was just thinking about this getting ready for this interview, Corey. We was also in you know kind of what the advanced you know biology class early on, you know. Yep. Um, and that's one of those things that I think about now. It's like, oh, wow. Like, you know, our kids need to be, make sure that they're getting exposed, not only to our history, but, you know, the top levels of, uh, curriculum that they can. So, you know, I work in a, in a pretty prominent independent school out here. And one of the things that, you know, I fight in-house on is like, let's make sure the kids don't get pigeonholed into the lowest tracks of the curriculum because nobody believes that they can do it. Even in a school where, you know, you got uh you know folks who who got money who got paper you know but it's still a thing where when it comes to skin color you know they often get left you know in the lowest tracks you know so i remember coming to central and you know again it was huge compared to to german time friends and you know i was like okay now i'm finally in school with you know a whole bunch of black people and all kinds of other people and then you know i talk about that biology class and it was like me Corey, and like three other people 
you know, that was black. <laughs> and it's like, and it was like, wait a minute. Like I just finished seeing, you know, United Nations, you know, when I came in the building and then, you know, when I got to that class, it was very much still like Germantown friends. So that was one of those was like, how is that happening? And I know it still happens today. Um, and that's interesting too, right? Because a lot of times it's about what you I go back to exposure. It's what you're exposed to. Um, and, and we tend to not like, you know, they're not going to get this. They're too young. So that happened with us when we started talking about um, our, our summer camp, teaching kids finances, the stock market, real estate. A lot of people said, well, they're not ready for that because we, we start accepting students at five years old. Right. And those were some of our sharpest students. They got it because all you do is put it to a, a level they can relate and they understood economics. Banking. I mean, and these are five-year-olds. Because it's all, because it's all, it's always around them. They're being branded to. They understand this stuff. You just have mm-hmm. to show them that they understand. It's not that they don't know this stuff. It's that they don't know it in the in the adult terminology. And yeah, so if you sow those seeds breaking, early. Yeah, we just broke it down into the terminology that they can understand, and it's like, oh, okay, yeah, I know what that is. Yeah, and then when you sow that seed early, you know, when it comes time for them to take, you know, the, the advanced math and, and, you know, start to look at, you know, economics for real, for real, then, you know, it's yeah, they're there. They're ready to go. They're, yeah, they're ready, ready to go. To go. And they can, so like, again, when I start thinking about like, you know, at our school, uh, the earliest, you know, places you can start to advance and go on different tracks is math, you know, and so when you track backwards, you look at what these kids have been doing in a lot of these, you know, different ethnic schools, I think of the Chinese schools in particular, like they're taking those, those early math classes and getting exposure from, like you say, five, six, seven years old. So then when it's time to take algebra and pre-algebra and, you know, seventh, eighth grade, they've been, they've been doing that you know, and, and have it down to a place where they can show, you know, really deep understanding. So, you know, that's the type of thing that I think is yeah, important. Our, in our, 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 our last guest talked about the branding of math. Like mm-hmm. he, he is a proponent of branding math as something that uh, black children should get into and get involved in immediately. Like that, his, his, yeah. his, his, uh, his IG handle is all this math. Like he yeah. is about that life. So, to have two guests in a row talk about the the, the branding of math and, and, and bringing it to the to the and exposure to it very early is eye opening, especially with the credentials that you two guys had. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it's like what happens is, and I don't know how much he talked about it, but like what I see in my school is that if you get ahead in math, then, and that's like I said in our school, that's the earliest that you can start to accelerate. Everything else is is on the same level. So all our kids take English, history science the same at first but if you start to get ahead in math now when the you know the honors and advanced science comes around they're looking at your math grade you know for the correlation if you can handle this math then you can handle this this high level you know chemistry biology whatever so it really becomes a jump off point to get ahead in education because you know there are there are departments correlations how you do a math versus how you do everything that's else so that's interesting that's yeah interesting. it's important i never heard it, I never heard it broken down away but that makes that makes perfect sense um i always he find it interesting scenes, when, though he know exactly what he's talking about yeah i just always find it interesting when when kids uh tell me i don't like math i'm not good at math but then they can break down um percentages and analytics of different athletes that's always amazing to me i'm like you're doing analytics here what do you think you're doing like you can tell me their field goal percentage their their uh their uh you know the, the all these different ratios and statistics that you're using but you tell me you don't like math. I'm like, you do like math. You just don't know that you like math, you know? So um, it has to be told to them in a way, like you said earlier, Core, like you have to let them know that they know. Yeah, they, already and, know how, they already know what it is. And you paint the picture for them, right? Because I was one of those dudes, and my mother was a math teacher, oddly enough, but I, it didn't come to me, you know, as easy as it did to her. And, and I, you know, in school was not someone who was going to be adventurous um, in math. But now you spin it forward as an adult. And like you say, you're trying to build institutions and figure out how things work. Like that requires great amounts of math. Like, okay, what do I need to do to make this budget work? Or what do I need to do, you know, if I'm going to buy a building at some point, you know, and spin it backwards? Like what are the investments I need to make to make sure that happens, right? Like how do you manage? Like there's all these mathematical things that come into play down the road that, you know, if you can, if you can, if you can plant that in a kid early, then it may get them more excited about what they're doing because they see the utility in it. Like I didn't see the utility in doing proofs in geometry. I didn't under, listen. I had I had uh, Mr. Diano, one of the um, one of the teachers. I, I used to I used to hate this guy because he, he was real tough in geometry. And I was, it's one of those things you used to say to yourself, "What am I ever going to use this again?" Right? 
then somehow end up in a career where real estate is my path. All I do is geometry and algebra now. Like in terms of calculating on rates of return, net operating incomes, and then like, you know, measuring buildings and looking at building plans. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm, yeah. The one thing I never thought like, that. Yeah, yeah. So this is kind of what I do now is math. But everything is math though. Um, so it's everything. interesting that you say that, that. That leads to, I never thought about how excelling in math early can lead you to a um, higher level of science though. That's yeah, we always talk about reading, uh, excelling in reading, mm -hmm. but math is the same. Math tracks the same way. Whatever it is, I always say reading and arithmetic, right? Those two things, right? So because, you know, reading is important, right? If you can't read and, you know, you anyway. Um, you can't read. <laughs> yeah, so, so, that, so that's what your future looks like is in terms of what you want to do now and start to do a little bit more community building and, and things like that, right? Um, so a question I was going to ask you out there is um, obviously you have enough to support what you're doing. What kind of um, community out, is, is there out there for Africans and African-Americans like where you're at? Yeah, the thing you find in, in California, like in contrast to Philly, is that everything's really spread out, right? So, you know, like I said, I grew up in West Philly, but spent a lot of time, you know, Mount Airy, Germantown, you know, but that's only like a 20-minute ride, you know, that's easy. Like in, in out here, like I live in, you know, the Valley. You've heard people talk about the Valley. Um, and so for me to get to what we would call a Black Enclave is like, you know, 30, 40-minute ride. Like, it's just more, it's more spread out. Every area kind of has one, but, you know, t to tap into them requires, you know, a lot more uh, movement, right? So, like, we've, you know, had kids that come, you know, from Pasadena, and that's a ride, though, you know, and we had to figure out early on, like, where do we position ourselves to start so that we could draw kids? So, there's enclaves of Black people and, you know, folks of the diaspora all throughout California. It's just a matter of, you know, how much they're willing to drive, um, mm -hmm. you know, so that you can, you can position yourself so that they will, they will come to you. Cause it's a real thing out here. Um, like we have uh, the 405, which is kind of the main thoroughfare that goes you know, through California. And there's the one-on-one that kind of cuts across um, and snakes its way up. And there's people who, who will not, you know, come North of that 405 <laughs> one-on-one junction. You know, I don't know if, how much y'all hear about that, but like the, the, the amount of driving people are willing to do cause traffic is real out here. You know, yeah. that's the thing. So yeah, I've been out there before and that was like the worst. I, I think Atlanta and, and Cali had the worst traffic. Yeah, and, Cali, I, and the funny thing is Cali was worse than Atlanta. Like I was, I, I don't know whether it was the four or five, whatever. I just remember being on a highway and everything was like in a complete stop and people were getting out of their cars and having conversations with each other. And I'm like, this is what y'all do out here? Like traffic is that bad out here? Like, you know, what's going on? But um, it's real, man. It's, it's a car culture. You know, we don't have that, that, you know, that transit system that, you know, take people the places they need to go. You know, like in Philly, you got trains that'll take you. you I mean, you got two systems. You, you know, you got the regional rail mm -hmm. that'll take you all out to the suburbs. And we would, we would definitely need something like that. And then you got the, you know, the more local, you got the, say, the orange and the blue line, which, you know, certainly was part of my childhood. But we don't got that out here. You know, the, the, they're trying, they're trying to build you know, train systems, uh, mm -hmm. but it's, it's not, it's not to the level that, you know, places like Philly or Chicago have where you could not be yeah. in a car. So and that's interesting because you, you mentioned something about like, and I grew up in Germantown. So for me, I didn't recognize the power of say like a Germantown in my area until I got older and realized what was actually there when you have like, you know, a working class black neighborhood, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's something different. Like, I didn't recognize that until I got older and said, wow, that's actually pretty special. What, what was there? Um, right. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, most black neighborhoods, you know, people think poverty and destitute, destitute area. And, and you, you grew up in a working class black neighborhood. Yeah, exactly. Like, but, you, you know, uh, at, at, like, but if that's your, if that's your reality, you don't that. recognize that there's something different about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's funny. Like, I, you know, I'm at that place now, and I don't know about y'all, but, like, you know, you unfortunately have, you know, older, you know, folks in your family, you know, pass on and transition, and, you know, they leave stuff, right? And so, you know, one of the things that's clicked for me over the last, I'll say probably five, ten years per se, you know, especially you start to get better financial footing, is that, man, when they pass on, you know, you can't just let those houses go away. You know, like, you know, my, my grandmother. Yeah, we talk my, about that all the time. 
grandmother, my dad's side, you know, much like you, Jim, she had a house in, in Germantown. I'm blanking on the streets, but it, it wasn't far off, you know, what's it? It wasn't far off Germantown Avenue. Okay. Um, and it was one of those like multiple story, you know, houses. Big, big old Germantown houses, yeah. Yeah. And, and so I think about it now and I'm like, damn, to have been able to keep that in the family would have been nice, you know, especially when, like you say, Germantown, Mount Airy, those neighborhoods ain't going to change much ever. Yeah. Um, so that that would have been nice, you know. My family originates out of North Carolina, so I've had a lot of my my grandmother's sisters pass, and you know those houses just go. And so now, you know, I'm trying to with my sister to make sure that we at least look at it and see like mm-hmm. what what would be the efficacy of trying to you know make sure we keep that house um, because it really is a thing to have you know a piece of property you know that you can do whatever with. You know? listen, listen, it's legacy too. <clears throat> we tell people Absolutely. all the time. Like, don't lose grandma's house because um, that a lot of a lot of our um, generations before us recognize the power of the ownership of property, and you know. But also, what comes with that is what you just said. Now that you recognize it, make sure that you instill that in the next generation, right? Mm-hmm. So now you know to instill that early, right? So I, I, you know, I tell like my mother told me to go to school, you go to college, do these things, but. I don't think that she actually, she just knew that's what I should have done. Correct. But now I, what I understand is why I, why you do these things as opposed to not that you just got to do them. And yeah. it's about the next generation behind me. Like, you know, um, my nephews, I'm, I'm instilling stuff in them when they're very young. So then by the time, you know, so it's about the next generation um, having more, doing more under having better understanding in the previous generation. Yeah. And that, that, you know, that, that brings up to mind to me, like, when we talk about our parents pushed us to go to school, like the other thing that I think is really important, you know, from the educational world and you guys deal in finance a lot too, is like when you start to think about college, you know, whether you a go or not, you know, because I, I do believe these days, like there's a way to have a life where you don't go to college. If that's not for you, absolutely, then you, you know, you figure out a way, you know, you work, whatever, get your you know, paper to be out there so that you can build your life. But if you do like make the smart decision, so that you're not putting yourself in that debt hole that a lot of us did just it's because about, again our parents taught us hey you got to go it's, it's about being it's about being strategic right and, and that's what yeah. i say like i'm not i'm not i'm not um anti i was talking to a uh, byron who also went to school with us and he's, mm-hmm. he's like don't forget college now and i'm like okay I, I understand why you say that because it's, it's sometimes it could be cost prohibitive the, the economics of college have changed so much over the years but would you want to go to a doctor that didn't go to college? There's certain professions of, Correct. you know, there's certain professions where you want to go to school. Like, I don't care what you say. Like, you know, you're not going to be in the operating room talking about, I saw this on YouTube. Like, you're just not going to do that. Right. I don't need no YouTube lawyer. YouTube educated lawyer. I don't need none of that shit. But if you're going to go, I also believe you should be strategic about going, like figure out ways to get certain grants. Cause there's a lot of grant money that goes unused. I'm a big proponent of the community colleges. Because mm-hmm. one of the things I understand is when you finish college and you just get go off to a university, a lot of times you have no idea what you want to do. And you end up like me with, uh, well, I was just taking, I switched majors, took all kinds of courses because I was trying to figure things out. Right. Um, and but I wasted money figuring things out when mm-hmm. I could have went half the price at community and figure things out community. And specifically in Philadelphia, I know our community college has these programs where you can trans they 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 will work with other universities in our area and have you know all the credits transfer, but it's at a cheaper rate. And the education. Let me tell you guys a story real quick. I had a um, I took a course one year in the summertime at community just to pick up extra credits while I was in college, and it was um it was an economics course, and the guy who taught it taught at Penn, right? So this is a guy who teaches at Wharton, and he's just picking up extra money in the summer teaching that community. Yep. He comes into class and he like does his handouts in terms of the syllabus and things that he's going to go over. And he didn't even take the time to erase it. He's teaching the same thing he teaches at Wharton. And I'm just gave you the same syllabus. Same syllabus. Listen, the syllabus say, syllabus say pen on it. Like, you know, like all the handouts. I'm like, hold on. So then I then it clicked, it occurred to me like, this kid's paying five times for the same, like the same. <laughs> Listen. So, I'm, I'm gonna tell you this. I graduated from I, I went to a four-year college first, and I figured out very quickly that. I wasn't built for four years school. I went to the army, and when I came back, I went to community first before I went to a four-year school and graduated. So I, I took the extreme long route. I went four-year mm-hmm. service, then I went community four-year school. 
Yeah, listen, it's the biggest hustle out here in particular. Like, I, you know, I don't know about y'all, but I, I always felt like CCP had a had a uh, a stigma attached to it. Like, if you went to Central and then you was leaving Central, oh, absolutely, CCP, absolutely, it did. Yeah, it was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, like, what are we doing? Because mm-hmm. um, people didn't understand the hustle, but out here in California, because you have a very strong community college system, it's nothing for these kids, you know, to leave, especially the public schools, do a couple years at you know uh, a community college and then transfer into the UC system which already by itself is a, is a is a bargain because you know the state has put money into it like that's that's what they do so it's it's very much us like the you know the transfer rates from like say a Santa Monica college to UCLA or even USC very very high and like you say you just now saved yourself a whole bunch of money cuz you've gotten a lot of credits you know out of the way i'm a big proponent too now you know speaking of that is like you get you start to get some of those college credits college credits in high school you know so yeah. you know one of the my things, son is doing now yeah my son, one, you know, doing now. my son his ninth grade summer he gonna be taking a community college course and something you know to start to get those credits because again he plays sports if he stays on a sports track like to be able to go into college you know go to a four-year or whatever and have some college credits already you just changed what the financial stake looks like. And that's about being strategic with education, right? So it's about yeah. being, like, st- taking a step back. How we, if, you do, if you do want to do this, because you might not want to do this, but if you Correct. do, let's figure out how to like, you know, um, be strategic with doing that. But I always found that story interesting because like, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, I'm, I'm paying like, you know, quarter the price for what they pay. And, you know, he didn't even take the time to even like take it off the syllabus or the handouts. And I'm like, and, and I, then it made me wonder like how many other teachers doing it? Cause for them, it's a hustle. I can go pick up a check in the same course and I'm using the same materials at all these different schools and I'm gonna teach the same information, but the information doesn't change, right? So man, um, we can go on for days about this, but John, listen. Um, Absolutely. So that's the future of what you wanna do, which is uh, community building. And um, you listen, Anything that we can do to help you uh, with our platform that we have in our community, we want to share all of your information um, and things fall apart. You gave us an amazing book. So uh, this has been an amazing episode. Before we get out of here, though, Corey, you got any questions you want to ask John? Yeah. Uh, so when you when you were uh, building this and you, you said, look, I don't need uh, we need something that, that, that tracks right alongside the uh, public education system. Um, how did you go about actually building the program like so what were the steps like give me you don't like don't give me like a uh you know your, your business plan but you know right. what steps did you take to and let me, actually build let me it? add something to that too because there's one thing i didn't add did you have any resistance like you know people would say well why why are you um you know african-based or there was any sort of resistance as you went through this process of building nah so that that goes right into Corey's question so you know it's one of those things you look at you, know, you look at your family uh, my oldest son is, is 13. So, you know, it was really like, how can I make sure he has the education um, and the grounding that I want him to have, particularly given that, you know, half of him is, is Nigerian. Like my, you know, my wife is a proud Nigerian, you know, like I said, my mother-in-law is here. He can't escape that. So how do I make sure that he has a under, better understanding of that than I did? Like I was to the point, this is what I tell people all the time. I was to the point, not that I didn't know that black British people existed, but when I first met my wife and, in college and she hit me with that British accent that she had at the time, it was just like mind blowing. Cause I was like, wait, there's black British people. Like this was, it was exotic to me. <laughs> and again, it's not like in theory, I didn't know it exists, but it was like, wait. So I don't, I, I want him to have a much global, much more, you know, global mindset than I did at that time. Cause that was college. I, I you know, so yeah. So the first step was I, I got a bunch of parents, you know, we have a village out here of folks that, you know, if we're friends with and you, know, you get married, like you start hanging with families because the kids get along. So I just started going to, you know, people in our village, like, would you help me with this? Um, and, and I started, you know, to have kind of eventually what became my board. And I did a presentation um, to them saying, like, this is what I want to do. This is why. So everything that I told y'all put in a PowerPoint presented to them, would y'all help me with this? So out of that came my board, you know, so we, it's like seven people all together um and mostly like you know basically our family friends so husband and wives that have kids around the same age you know down to help probably the same way y'all do for y'all class 
And so then it was like, okay, they were down. Now we got a board. We do the, the paperwork to have a nonprofit. You know, all of that goes in. And then we just, you know, I would just hit them with what my ideas were. This is what I want the day to look like for the camp. You know, as parents who have kids at the same age, how would that resonate, resonate with you? How does that land with you? You have any ideas? And it was just an exchange in that way. And then, you know, they would leave it to me to, as the educator to kind of form it and go find the people, right? So, okay, you want to do tennis? Go find a black tennis pro. You want to do copwetter? Go find somebody who's going to come and teach you copwetter. Um, what are the materials you're going to use for class? So that was all left on me. But that was it. And then we go through um, and we figure out, you know, after the Institute, how we're going to raise money for the next year. So in the last couple of years, we kind of settled on doing, you know, something in the fall. And then we usually do a comedy fundraiser um, in the spring because, you know, I love comedy shows. And that's just how we keep, uh, keep the cycle moving. Um, but again, now that we kind of hit the five-year mark and it's like, okay, we have something we're building, like you say, a following like you guys have built. It's like, how do we start to make it even more, right? So how do you bring in, you know, uh, you know, uh, workbooks and materials you know, and make that a thing that you published and, and now you got that arm and how do you, you know, start to build a plan um, for how you would eventually have a building? Because, you know, we rent space now and that's, you know, that's a big, that's a big cost, you know. So how do you start to move so that that money can go to actually saving and, and, and buying a building that's your own as opposed to giving money to someone else, you know. But I've been very thankful that even when we rented, we usually rented from people who are, you know, black. So that money has, you know, stayed in our community. Yeah. So I think there's a lesson in that too, right? Because, you know, a lot of times when you try to help a community, you, you think of everybody. I got to get everybody on board. And what you just talked about is you got your people, like a small group, and you have a proof of concept, let it grow from there, right? So we see people all the time, like, I'm going to start an independent school, right? Um, and, and no shots at the brother, but uh, like, like, you know, the brother Umar, who wanted to have a whole campus and, and raise millions of dollars, like, right. to start, as opposed to your approach, I'm going to take family, friends, and everything around me and then build it out there. And now you have a proof of concept. You have students that have come through your platform and, you know, can you have results? Cause like I said, I was impressed by looking at some of your student testimonials. It's just amazing to see. So um, I think that anybody out there watching this or listening that, uh, you know, wants to do anything, you don't need everybody to buy it. You know, you start, you start small and you build out. Right. So I, I think that that's um, a real gem in there, what you just said. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's important. And it's funny you bring up Dr. Umar. I was thinking about him last night, you know, because I figured we would talk about, like, where I was going. And it's like, I think it's a noble, it's a noble quest that the brother is on. And, and you know, he takes a lot of flack, you know, um, for how, some of the opinions he presents. But at the end of the day, what he's trying to do is, is, is noble. He's trying to yeah. educate our kids in a way that, again, he sees a gap that I see. You know, he's, we're trying to educate the kids in a way that's not happening in public or private schools, for that matter. And there's value in that. Um, and yeah, I just, I just take a, a slightly different approach because I don't have kind of the national platform um, mm -hmm. that he has to be going around and speaking and, and, and getting speakers fees and all that. You know, we just, we just start small and, and you know, make a program. I, I think it's something to be said about the way you approach it too. And like I said, no shots to him because I wish him success. And, and, you know, because I think that he sees something there. Um, but the way you went about it and, and you know, like you look at any sort of movement that were built, it wasn't built overnight. I don't care what it is. And, you know, it, it takes a small group of people in the room and let it mushroom out from there. And I was going to say, because Corey asked this part too, was there resistance? No, because again, it was folks that, you know, already knew, you know, and, and had formed relationships with, um, and, and we had that same, same value system. So I think that's important as well, because again, when you really start to talk about building an institution, you know, yeah, you're going to need people to not necessarily be yes people, but you do want people to believe in what the ultimate, um, the ultimate goal is um, and, and believe that you're doing it for a greater good, right? So I'm, I'm sure y'all seen it, the, um, the documentary that's on Netflix now um, about who shot Malcolm X. Absolutely. And so the gym, you know, and I get these pieces of affirmation wherever I go now. And so the gym of affirmation for me there was, and I didn't notice before was, just how um, big of a footprint the Nation of Islam had, you know, in Chicago around that time, like all the stores, you know, they had the schools, they had the, the mosques, all, you know, the whole economy that was running 
you know, and, and say what you want about, you know, Elijah Muhammad's family and what they felt about it, but, but they built it, right? Yeah, so yeah. all through our history, you know, we've been able to do this at different times. Garvey had a you know, mission and, you know, you talk about, you know, Black Wall Street and even into the 60s, people were able to build things that were sustainable in specific communities, you know, for the greater good of those people. Um, it's, it's amazing, right? Because I, I like to harp on that. We've done this before. When yeah. you, even when you hear the story of Black Wall Street, right? They always talk about how it ended, you know, the bombing. But what's never told in that story is they rebuilt it. They rebuilt it. What happened was integration. And then, you know, um, the psychology between behind the white man's ice is colder. That's kind of what really, you know, destroyed it. But they rebuilt it after it was, uh, after, you know, um, the tragedy happened. I, I think the, the civil rights movement was actually more destructive to, 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 to <laughs> I, not, not in, 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 that's, not that's in a, that, to me, that's a nuanced conversation because it depends. It, it, it has so many layers, absolutely. Because, yeah. because, of, because of integration, not because of the actual work that was put in and, and, and the things that were accomplished, but because of the results of the, and the integration. Right, but the question, Cordo, to me is, is it really integration or is it the psychology behind, like, you know, some of the No, it's, it's not integration. Around. It's assimilation because we don't have any power. So it's not actually integration. Exactly. So it's assimilation. Exactly. So we've been assimilated part into of that. the system integrated. Yeah, and we didn't keep for for ourselves, right? So that's to me is the biggest thing. Like again, as an educator, I look through that lens all the time. So you know, I, I had the chance. We did a we did a civil rights trip at our school last year, which was which was amazing. We went to these different places. So for the first time, uh, I went to South Carolina State. You know, where where the you know massacre was. You know, in the gym that time. And what people don't know about South Carolina State, it was like one of the biggest teacher colleges, you know, for black teachers in the country. Um, but then, you know, it kind of goes away with, with, you know, like you say, assimilation, integration, because all those teachers lose those jobs, you know, at the moment, you know, around the moment of Brown versus board. Like, so it's, it's like you say, it's layered in that, you know, we wanted better schooling, but we gave up the power of that institution of owning that training. Um, and I think the pendulum needs to swing back a little back in that direction. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not that I think that those people didn't do anything. I, right. I just think that it was detriment. What was gained and what was lost, I think we lost. That's well, just, I, again, it, and again, that, that's a matter of perspective as well. Like I said, I, I don't think you're wrong, but I think it's a nuanced conversation just because yeah. um, it, it's, it's, it's so much that was gained, but a lot was lost in terms of the ideas and what have you. But to me, it's was not... Lost. <laughs> But to me, it's about it's more about psychology, right? So, like whether we want to yeah, admit right. it or not, like our people overall are still suffering from you know things that have happened to us hundreds of years ago. Get into what yes. John said about like not even like understanding that you know there's black British people, black people. A lot of times, like because they're stuck in their space, don't understand that we are all over the world, right? Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of where the boat stop. Like the boat stopped everywhere. Correct. Correct. <laughs> it's just Correct. a matter of where the boat stopped, though. But we're all over the place. And if we're able to ever, like, you know, um, start to build together, this whole idea to me of, of a minority is a joke because we're not a minority. Like, our people are all over the world. It's just that whether we see each other as our people is... is, is Correct. You know, so that's why I said it's a kind of a nuanced conversation. But, but, but you know, um, but getting back, to the, uh, back on track, what I was saying about uh, this overall conversation and why it's important for us to put you on our platform and talk about what you're building is because... Again, it's not about just this is wrong and that is wrong. It's okay. Let me get with these people that have the same thought process as me. And let's just build our own thing. Start to build our own thing. Start to practice ownership, group, ep- group, group economics and things like that. And, you know, things will take care of themselves as opposed to just sitting around complaining about what you don't have. Go build it. And I think that's important. You, you, you went and got it. You just like, look, I, I see it. I see a gap. I'm filling that gap. Like, and now that you've what... actually done that, right? You talked about getting the confidence to do that. Now you probably feel like you can just go create all kinds of stuff, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, you know, you just know that like I can continue to acquire skill sets, you know, because I know that there's other people doing it. Right. So again, I told you math wasn't somewhere I was adventurous, but I will, I will definitely give you your props while I'm on this platform with you to know that you guys are really digging deep into educating people about finances, you know, does 
does another thing for my confidence because I know like, okay, as I start to go into this world where I'm going to be have to dealing with property, or I'm going to have to be dealing with investments to make sure that, you know, the funding that we get is, is working. I know that there's a resource for me. I could easily touch base with y'all, you know, brothers mm-hmm. I went to school with, brothers I trust to know, you know, you got the goodness of heart that you would give me unfiltered good information about how Absolutely. to make this happen. So sure. that's, that's, a, that's, that's a big, that's, that's a big thing because, you know, it's very easy to try and go out and think like, you know, you go to somebody else's because they got a certain name and a certain, you know, uh, co-signed by people that you're around, but it's different when you, when you know somebody. Yeah, you know? absolutely. It's totally different. And, and, and it's about like building with like-minded people, people that have absolutely. the same vision. So again, it's not about attracting everybody. It's about attracting the right people. Right. Absolutely. Cause one of the things getting to your conversation, Corey, about the civil rights movement, um, people had this belief that everybody was on the front lines and everybody was marching. When you start to study and read, no. even a lot of our people were like, they vilified, they vilified a lot of them people as they was doing the work. Yeah. Yeah. It's always amazing to me. Right. Specifically. I remember like reading uh, Muhammad Ali's biography when I got older. Right. Because in my lifetime, he's always been considered a hero. But when you read the accounts and news reports of like how he was talked about, not by, everyone by our people specifically it's like whoa like this this is not what i've been brought up to see they didn't t- I, I didn't see this right he's always been a, a hero in my people's eyes but no um same thing with dr king you start to everybody wasn't um on his side let's put it that way um but when you get the right people and you start to build a movement it's about that proof of concept and then you'll get the people to come with you and that's when you make change so what you're doing right now is you're going to make change through those, those conversations you have with those uh, number of parents and things like that. That's where it starts, and you'll see a balloon from out there. Man. Absolutely, because then they do the talking for you, right? Exactly. Like, that's, I'm, I'm, you know, I like conversations like this where, you know, you're talking, and that's, that's really easy. But when you got to go out there and be the pitch man, that becomes a little bit more difficult. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and as confident as I am in, in you know, my understanding of what I want to do, like to sell yourself to feel like the greasy salesperson isn't always the best thing for me. So I love that, you know, like you said, on my website, folks are willing to put testimonies up um, and just, and just share because now nothing, nothing does more for a parent looking to educate their kid in the word of another parent. So, you know, to have that, you know, as the calling card versus me trying to sell you every time is, is, uh, that's big. That's huge. You know? Yeah. Man, this is, this has been an amazing conversation, man. Like I said, we can go over days and days, but man, Absolutely. this is a conversation. We definitely go have you back on in the future as things get back to normal and, and things change. Absolutely, um, absolutely. As you grow, because we love what you're doing, um, and and we need people to like you know uh, do do create the same thing all over the place. We should have a root to knowledge. Absolutely. We should have a root to knowledge in Philly. We have root to knowledge in Florida. Like, hey, you listen, know, we, we 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 down for linking with anybody that's doing. The work that you're that you're doing, we're down for linking with, with with anything you want. You just make a phone call or a text message or a mess anything. Absolutely, because my next trip home, I definitely gotta get a book. I, I'm overdue to get y'all you y'all you. literature. You, you, you know you can go on Amazon, right? Yeah, no, but I want you. my joint signed though, because you know that's that's. <laughs> the, yeah, yeah, we yeah, got you. Don't worry yeah, about. It. Listen, yeah, yeah, say, yeah, say that's, less. That's the mark. Say less. We got you, but um. But listen, though, um, we're going to share your links, your Instagram links, the links to your website and all that to make sure people check out what you got going on. Um, let us know when you have um, any sort of funding, anything like, you know, that you have, you're not, you know, I know you're a nonprofit. So keep us aware of things you got going on in that space um, and much continued success, man. We definitely want to stay in touch and as much continued success with everything you got going on. Have, have your wife come on with you the next time and talk about what she got going on. Oh yeah, Absolutely. we got bring her on too and yeah, talk about. Yeah, no, we'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do a team thing for sure. You know, yeah, she's yeah, in that space I, now. She's trying to figure out what's going to happen. You know, all the Hollywood production is kind of stopped right now. So, I you know, think about that. Yeah, yeah, that's a big stressor for her right now. But yes, absolutely, because you know, like y'all said, we very much try to move. He has another show after All American too, right? Like, what is is All American wasn't the most recent show? Does he have something else that she's? She that's the one she's on now. And so what happens with her is that she'll be on one show and then she's you know often also developing another. So there's oh, okay, a pilot okay. in the works. So um, she had you. a pilot that she's literally uh, working on right now to take out to streaming because ABC bought it and then they decided they didn't want to do it. So, okay. yeah, there's always multiple projects going on with her. You know, I think she would enjoy being in the space to talk about you know, why she does what she does because for her, you know, she tells people all the time, her, All American is a love letter um, to black men. Um, she raised, she's raising two black boys. So, 
you know, that's that's very much the lens that it comes from. So, yeah. Absolutely. That, so send, our, conversation. send her our regards, man, because, like, my wife and I love her show, so send her our regards. But, uh, yeah, man, we'll, we'll have you on in the future, man. Have her on in the future, man. But, again, much continued success. Cora, any last words, man? Because I don't want to – we'll be on here talking no, no, all day. These so are the actual us. last words. For all our supporters, we love y'all. For everybody who listens to our podcast, who looks at our YouTube, who does anything that supports us, who's come through our classes, who do anything, we love y'all. Come on, come on back through. We got it for you. All you got to do is come get it. Absolutely. And if there's anybody you want us to highlight or talk to, make sure you send us that information as well so we can reach out to them. But John, much continued success, man. And as we always say to our audience, it's not about how much money you make, it's about how much you keep. Game elevates, and we'll see you on the next episode. Peace.